This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. I think it's stepping over the line. Tonight, the secret surveillance, why the provincial government plans to use our satellite imagery to monitor changes to the ALR land. Plus, stormy weather batters the south coast with the worst from an atmospheric river yet to come. And... As a culture, we need to know not to do this. But one First Nation is standing firm on its right to hunt grey whales in west coast waters. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening. Thanks for joining us. The Agricultural Land Commission enforces the rules to keep farmland from being developed. That includes cracking down on so-called mega mansions from cropping up on soil meant to grow food. Well, now it's teaming up with the Agriculture Ministry using technology to monitor the properties secretly from space. Kristen Robinson has our top story. The everyday actions of BC farmers will soon be under the scrutiny of the Radarsat 2 satellite. Capable of scanning the earth at all times, day or night. The Agriculture Ministry posting a notice on BC Bid of its intent to contract with Richmond's MDA Systems, which delivers advanced surveillance and intelligence solutions to provide satellite-based change detection services. I think it's stepping over the line. As farmers fight legislation which restricts them from having secondary non-farm homes for their families and limits the size of homes to 12,000 square feet or less, the government and the ALC testing whether surveillance, focusing on landfill and infrastructure, can help with monitoring and regulatory oversight of the agricultural land reserve. We don't need more surveillance of any kind, shape or form on our farms. The ALC has got their own bylaw enforcement team. What more does the government, the world need to know? To increasing our agriculture's profitability and sustainability. The BC government not revealing where the radar sat will roam, noting it could potentially compromise the value of the pilot in assessing the effectiveness of satellite image capture for compliance-related purposes. Quote, due to the limited nature of the area being imaged, it is possible that the landowners may behave differently if they are aware they're being monitored. It's an invasion of privacy. I think it is definitely going too far. Farmers are people, they're hard workers. Who knows what they're, what they're trying to prove, but this is a complete violation of people's fundamental rights as private property owners in BC. The operation, which will see satellite imagery captured from now until next February, expected to cost up to 70 grand. Kristen Robinson, Global News. And just moments ago, the B.C. Agriculture Ministry telling Global News that no contract has been signed for the pilot project and drones will not be used. A body found in a burnt-out vehicle in a rural part of Abbotsford has prompted a homicide investigation. Firefighters were called to the 5300 block of Bates Road at about 10.30 last night when an SUV was spotted fully engulfed by flames. After the flames were put out, a body was found inside. Officers are working now to identify the victim.
our crime scene investigators are working in a very challenging environment today given uh, the rain and also uh, the potential for hazardous material to be inside the vehicle. So the roads uh, near the crime scene, so Bates Road and Harris Road to the north and Bates Road and Township Line Road to the south will remain closed for the time being. And particularly we're asking for drivers uh, who traveled along uh, Bates Road or any, you know, anywhere in and around that area with dashcam video to please contact IHIT. A memorial service was held in Kelowna today, marking 25 years since the murder of eight-year-old Mindy Tran. It was a shocking case. It was an absolutely shocking case when this little girl disappeared. Kelowna was a much smaller city at the time, and her disappearance sent shockwaves through the community. Flowers were laid at the plaque honoring Mindy in Mission Creek Park, where her body was found. In August 1994, the little girl went outside to ride her bike and never came home. Her disappearance launched a massive search effort. Her body was found six weeks later when a man with a divining rod led police to a shallow grave in the park. A suspect was arrested and tried for the crime, but was not convicted. I want to remember the little girl, what happened 25 years ago. I want to do something. My son was very good friends with Mindy. So we have been through this for 25 years. There's not a day that goes by that we don't think of her. She will always be in our hearts. Many trans parents no longer live in Kelowna. They were invited to the memorial but declined, saying it would be too painful. Some good news on the labor front. Striking school support workers in Saanich and their employer have reached a tentative agreement. Nearly 7,500 students have been out of the classroom for the past three weeks as CUPE workers walk the picket line. Today, a deal was reached. Members will vote on it tomorrow. The picket lines are coming down and schools are expected to be reopened on Monday. I am very happy to recommend it to our, my membership and that's where I'll leave it. Until, until my membership sees it, I won't make any comments on detail. We needed to uh, do this in order to ensure that we were able to, to uh, meet the needs of our families and, the need to, and to meet the needs of our students, especially those in, uh, that are the most vulnerable in our, in our schools. The stalemate continues in Metro Vancouver's transit strike, with eight C-bus sailings cancelled today because of the ongoing overtime ban by maintenance workers. On Friday, bus drivers began refusing overtime. Transit users can expect the same on Monday, Wednesday and Friday. Both sides went back to the bargaining table on Wednesday, but talks broke down the next day. Wages remain one of the main sticking points. The union representing 3,200 Canadian National Railway conductors, trainspersons and yard persons has given a 72-hour strike notice. Workers could walk off the job as early as Tuesday. They've been without a contract since July. The Teamsters Canada Rail Conference warned last month it was ready for job action after six months of unsuccessful talks. The company says its offer to enter into binding arbitration was declined by the union. Contract negotiations are set to continue through the weekend. We're learning more about how a young woman is doing after she was dragged for blocks on Vancouver's downtown east side last month. As Jill Bennett reports, Desiree Ivancio is now awake and aware of some of the challenges she now faces. 
Desiree Avancio still has a lengthy recovery ahead with many more surgeries, but she's now awake and able to communicate with her family and doctors by writing messages. And she's starting to understand the severity of her injuries. When she slowly started to wake up, she kind of was able to piece together a few things at a time just on her own. So I think that kind of made it easier when we uh, sat down with the surgeon and gave her the general all around what happens. Evancio's sister Ashley has been at her bedside every day since the accident. Desiree was dragged by this van and trailer for blocks early in the morning on October 12th. Surgeons have been able to use muscle and tissue from her abdomen to treat her head injuries, but she'll need a prosthetic eye and nose. At first they had said that they would just try to rebuild her nose, but I guess maybe just because of what's left or the complications of that or whatever is better for her, they just decided that she would get a prosthetic nose instead. So she'll have both. Ashley says her sister used a phone camera to look at her injuries and is taking it better than expected, saying she's happy to be alive and still have vision in one eye. On Monday, Desiree is scheduled for surgery to reconstruct her lower lip. A fundraising page has now surpassed $225,000 with donations coming in daily. As the police investigation continues, at this point, no one has been charged. Jill Bennett, Global News. And there was a fire in Langley this morning involving a house, a camper, and a car. Firefighters were called to a home on 28th Street just after 6 o'clock. Neighbors reported hearing a barking dog, and that's when they saw a camper and car on fire. The flames spread to the garage. A Fortis crew was called in to deal with the gas line. No one was hurt. So far, no word on what caused the fire. The gas meter is, uh, uh, was close to the fire and it's actually melted. So uh, to totally shut the gas off, uh, Fortis is here on site. They have to dig up the gas line and seal it there to shut gas off uh, to, to the house here. Neighbor's house, uh, just because of the heat, has had some of its siding melted. Uh, maybe a little smoke got in through the attic, but no damage. Uh, nobody was hurt. None of the occupants were hurt. And um, uh, no firefighters were injured either. In the Peace region, a tanker truck carrying 40,000 liters of crude oil caught fire when it crashed on a bridge on Highway 49 near Dawson Creek. Some of its load also spilled. The driver was taken to hospital. The truck and trailer were largely consumed by the fire. The bridge is closed until an engineer can assess the condition of the span. Environment ministry officials are said to be monitoring the cleanup. A pedestrian has been struck and killed in Kamloops near Thompson Rivers University. Police responded to the accident near the intersection of McGill Road and University Drive at around 5.30 last night. A truck hit a 54-year-old woman who was pronounced dead at the scene. The truck's driver remained for the investigation. Area roads were closed for more than six hours. Starting next year, foam takeout containers will be banned in the city of Vancouver. As Nadia Stewart reports, restaurants are now working to phase them out and find affordable and recyclable or compostable alternatives. At Baker and Table Cafe, cardboard boxes replaced styrofoam from day one. Owner Hitomi Stevertson says it's made life much easier. Because it's hard for us to differentiate too. Because the customer usually put whatever you find and then I have to divide too. So then, you know, we don't have to do that. Then it's saving the cost as well too. Sievertson is already ahead of the curve, prepared for the city of Vancouver's January 1st ban on styrofoam containers. There's strong public and business support for the foam ban. 
In a matter of weeks, any meals to go in Vancouver will be styrofoam-free. Prepared food and drinks cannot be served in styrofoam containers or polystyrene foam cups. The city says it's heard from the restaurant industry. It will need help making the transition. They wanted support from the city in terms of education resources. This week, we are sending out notification letters to businesses through the business license renewal process, reminding them of the upcoming foam ban. The city also created a kit to help businesses inform customers and their suppliers. This as the city moves away from single-use items, which includes straws and plastic bags. It's all part of Vancouver's journey to becoming a waste-free community by 2040. Here we have, remember this, real cutlery. Vancouver's first zero-waste cafe shut down earlier this year, but the city's first zero-waste grocery store is still growing strong, as many have long since begun changing their shopping habits. Something Sievertson says she's seeing more of. People ask me no bags or, you know, paper bags or, you know, we try to accommodate as much as we can to make the reduced plastic and stuff. Nadia Stewart, Global News. Well, there's been no escaping the rain throughout the south coast today. Steady rain has been falling all day long. Fortunately, a couple and their wedding party did not allow the deluge to stop them from tying the knot at Discovery Park. Environment Canada has issued a special weather statement for several parts of Metro Vancouver, the Central Coast and Vancouver Island. The heaviest rainfall from this atmospheric river known as the Pineapple Express is expected along the west side of the island and central coast with winds gusting up to 90 kilometers an hour. It's also prompted a heavy stream flow advisory for local rivers and waterways. Meteorologist Yvonne Shaw says the worst is yet to come. We'll have her forecast in just a few minutes. Reading stories to children doesn't seem like a controversial thing to do, but story time at one B.C. public library has some people upset. The CEO of the Okanagan Regional Library describes today's event as potentially offensive, but many more are embracing the message that drag story time hopes to send. For these children, a Saturday morning full of music and books. We love story time, <laughs> and yeah. it's fun. Story time's best. Yeah. And they love it. But in Kelowna, the library, the place full of stories, is now becoming the story itself with a new event. Round and round. Drag Queen story time attracting attention from advocates and adversaries. I support raising kids with traditional values because the science is in on that, and we don't know what happens to kids who do this. People are turning their kids into social experiments, in my opinion. Library CEO Don Nettleton wrote a letter to the board saying that the drag queen story time would be offensive to a significant segment of society. He also recommended that the board approve a policy that says children's programming should be acceptable by the bulk of society or aimed at the middle of the road to avoid controversy. I think you can see by my label here, activist librarian, that I stand on the other side of that memo. And, you know, uh, as librarians, we will defend the Charter of Rights. We will defend freedom to uh, speak. This is the second Drag Queen story time in Kelowna's library, and support is quickly spreading. Tyson Cook, also known as Drag Queen Frida Wills, says it's been overwhelming. Makes me almost cry. I almost cried the other day just seeing all the community support, um, all the messages from families and from all the community that I'm getting. It's pretty awesome. The library board is holding a meeting on November 20th when it will decide whether or not to enact a policy that could stop events like this one from happening. 
but Frida Wales is optimistic. Oh yeah, the next one's going to be even bigger and better. We're already planning it. And those here are hoping that story time will continue on happily ever after. Jules Knox, Global News, Kelowna. The grass grind will be closed between Monday and Friday next week for safety upgrades and to replace some steps about three-quarter ways up the grind. The work needs to be done now as part of the trail is under snow when usual maintenance is done in the spring. The upgrades will mean a shorter maintenance closure next year. The trail will be reopened for hikers by next weekend. A 20-year-old debate over First Nations heritage and animal conservation is resurfacing tonight. An Aboriginal group in Washington state has gone to court to get permission to carry out a gray whale hunt, much to the anger of those trying to protect the species. Paul Johnson has more. The Macaw First Nation killing a gray whale in 1999. Well, it was a one-off. The revival of a hunt they did for centuries left a deep impression there. It was an amazing feeling. It was beautiful. Patrick Dupoe was a teenager when that last whale was killed. Embracing their identity as former whale hunters isn't just an emotional thing, it's a legal one as well. The Macaw are the only tribe with a treaty right to hunt gray whales, and they want to do it again. Whaling is barbaric. But things have changed in 20 years. Groups like the Sea Shepherd Society still oppose killing on principle, but also have new science they say shows the gray whale population is actually composed of a number of different groups, some of which are struggling. These are highly social and sensitive creatures. We should be protecting them. Gray whales are frequent visitors to BC waters. They love feeding in shallow mudflats like these in Delta. But recently they've been turning up dead by the hundreds, and no one is sure why. Necropsies lead scientists to think the greys may be starving because of a climate change-driven hit to their food supply, but they're not sure. British Columbians got a close-up look at them just last summer when a mother and calf were stranded as the tide went out in Delta. They finally escaped with the help of the fire department. Whether the macaw get to kill another will be decided by a legal case underway in Seattle. Expected to be a hard-fought argument over what's more important to preserve, the life of a whale or the cultural history of a First Nation. It isn't that we're going out there and, and trying to slaughter something. It's, it's that we're going out there to take part in a practice, an indigenous belief that we always feel felt was, you know, essential to our identity, essential to who we are. Paul Johnson, Global News. Two First Nations in B.C.'s interior have dropped a court challenge against the Trans Mountain Pipeline expansion. They've signed separate deals with the Crown Corporation, calling it a significant step in addressing environmental and cultural concerns. They say an agreement could be a tool used as part of a greater strategy to protect connections to the land. But four First Nations are still challenging the pipeline expansion in court. A sailor on board a Canadian naval vessel had to be rescued by the U.S. Coast Guard. The crewman had reportedly sustained a head injury on board HMCS Nanaimo while it was sailing through the northern section of Puget Sound in Washington state. The U.S. Coast Guard was able to hoist the injured man from the ship. He was transported to a Seattle hospital.
Their slogan is, wild times await you, but staff at the BC Wildlife Park didn't expect the donation they received earlier this month. Viagra was dropped off in the food donation bin at the Kamloops Park. Staff reminding the public that its bears and other animals do not benefit from erectile dysfunction treatment. The Wildlife Park has now removed the donation bin from its parking lot to become more bear aware and reduce the dumping of unwanted items. Anyone who still wishes to donate appropriate food items can call the park to connect. Work has begun to install a piece of eye-catching art in downtown Vancouver. Crews will hoist the massive spinning chandelier by Abbotsford artist Rodney Graham on the underside of the Granville Bridge deck directly over the intersection of Beach Avenue. It's part of developer West Bank's Vancouver House Tower Development, which is near completion. The kinetic chandelier will be officially unveiled on November 27th. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. Wow. About 200 people gathered at the Alberta legislature this afternoon to voice their opposition to Bill 207. <laughs> Organizers say Bill 207 threatens the health care rights of Albertans. If passed, the private member's bill would give doctors, health care providers, and religious health organizations the legal right to refuse to assist with or provide advice on issues including medically assisted death, contraception, and abortion, all based on their personal beliefs. Opponents say it will lead to discrimination and argue the proper protections are already in place. We're very tolerant about people's conscientious rights. We already protect them and, and we they have the responsibility to refer their patients to other people for services if they don't agree with it. A body has been discovered following a massive blaze at an apartment building in Toronto and the death is considered suspicious. Fire officials say they found the body on a balcony of an eighth floor of the building. Crews were called to the scene at around 5.30 on Friday. Flames quickly spread to several floors as onlookers watched from below. Very helpless because you can't do anything. It's not like I can go up there and save those people because their entire apartment is in flames and they're screaming help from the balcony. And I heard it. And I live in the building in front, and I heard their screams. Police have asked residents to seek temporary shelter with friends and family. It's not clear how or even exactly where the fire started. A week after Hockey Night and Canada commentator Don Cherry was fired, Sportsnet says it's exploring new formats to replace Coach's Corner. Sportsnet says tonight's intermission show will highlight the 2019 Hockey Hall of Fame inductees. Cherry's run on Hockey Night in Canada ended on Monday after comments he made on air, comments many felt were critical of immigrants for not wearing Remembrance Day poppies. Segment co-host Ron McLean addressed the matter tonight. I felt so bad, uh, and I apologized immediately. And, uh, and Don, you know Don, uh, he, he, defiant. Uh, there were steps that needed to be taken because of what had been said by Don, and uh, he didn't want to do those steps. So he made his choice and I made mine. 
for the first Apologize. I will tell you about this story in just a second. Two people were seriously injured during a shooting at a high school football game in New Jersey last night. Witnesses say several sh gunshots were fired in the stands at around 8.30. A 10-year-old is currently in critical condition. A 27-year-old man was also hospitalized but is in stable condition. A teenager was treated for a graze wound. Five people have been arrested in connection with the shooting. For the first time in a decade, Hong Kong has fallen into a recession. Its GDP shrank for the second straight quarter. Five months of violent anti-government protests have hit the retail and tourism sectors hard. The U.S.-China trade war has also taken a major toll on the economy. And with no end in sight to the protests, analysts are warning of a long, deep economic slump. UBC is trying to get its students out of harm's way in Hong Kong. The university says there are 32 UBC students in Hong Kong. They've all been contacted and it's been recommended that they leave as soon as possible as tensions between protesters and police continue. In a statement, I apologize. We're just having a couple of technical issues here. In Health Matters tonight, a massive new study may result in fewer heart surgeries. It has found that some of the most common invasive heart procedures are no better at preventing heart attacks than pills and lifestyle improvements. It suggests stent and bypass surgeries should be used more sparingly in patients with stable heart disease and that decisions to use them should be less rushed. While the use of stents reduced a patient's chest pain during exercise, the study of more than 5,000 people worldwide found no increased risk of heart attack or death in those who took drugs called statins and those who had surgery. Apple is banning vaping-related apps from its app store. The sale of tobacco and vaping cartridges has never been allowed through the Apple App Store. The newly banned apps are instead a mix of store, games, and hardware companion apps that let users regulate things like the lighting and heating of vape pens. The move comes amid a growing number of vaping-related illnesses and deaths. Apple has been trying to separate itself from vaping-related apps since June, when the company stopped accepting new apps that promoted vape products. Many middle-aged adults may worry about developing dementia, but they're not doing enough to lower the risk. Researchers at the University of Michigan surveyed more than 1,000 people and found that nearly half thought they would likely develop the disease as they got older, but only 5% actually spoke to a doctor about what they could do to reduce the risk. At least a third said they either took supplements or completed crossword puzzles to try to keep their minds sharp, but there is no evidence either of those methods work. Experts say the best way to lower your risk of developing dementia increasing is increasing physical activity and controlling chronic health conditions. Prince Andrew answers some tough questions about his past and past relationships. We're going to have that for you right after Yvonne's forecast. And boy, Yvonne, do you ever have your work cut out for you? Yes, it's very soggy. We've got a significant amount of rain that is moving in, and it's all courtesy of an atmospheric river. And I'll show you more in just a moment. But be prepared, especially late this evening and for tomorrow morning. That's where we'll see the heaviest rainfall across the south coast. So a heads up. Here's a look outside. It's dark. Temperatures are sitting at 10. We've got rainfall heavy out of the airport. 
an easterly wind right now at 17 kilometers per hour. And this is what we're tracking, an atmospheric river also known as Pineapple Express. Subtropical moisture really targeting the south coast, and this will continue overnight and for tomorrow morning. We can see the heavier rain on the satellite and radar, and the following areas in green. A rainfall warning has uh, still in effect. Eastern areas of the island, the red, that's where we're seeing a, snow, a wind warning up to 70 kilometers per hour. That's this evening, and it will ease off just at the back of the, uh, the front, rather. And we do have a few snowfall warnings if you're traveling along the mountain passes. So this is how things do break down. The central coast could see upwards of 100 or 120 millimeters, and this will be for tonight and by Monday or by Sunday morning, rather. Sunshine Coast and Howe Sound, 15 up to 70. Metro Vancouver, it's along the North Shore Mountains, northern areas, Maple Ridge, as well as Coquitlam, 40 and up to 50. And most areas across Metro Vancouver seeing a range between 20 and 30 millimeters. Heaviest rain overnight and for tomorrow morning, a heads up and very windy conditions for coastal areas, 40 and up to 60 kilometers per hour. It does start to ease off. That'll be late in the day for tomorrow. And we will see a break in between systems and our long range forecast does have some sunshine. And I'll show you more in just a moment. Highway mountain passes, Kootenai Pass as well as the Rogers Pass, a significant amount of snow, 20 and up to 30 centimeters easing off. But it'll be late day tomorrow if you're traveling. And a high stream flow advisory has been issued for all of the BC coast because of the rapid rising river levels. Peak levels will be Sunday into Monday, so please stay clear of fast-flowing rivers and unstable riverbanks. We'll be tracking that, especially looking ahead into early next week. Coastal sections tomorrow for the northern half, very wet and windy, gusts of up to 60 kilometers per hour. Inland, it will start to ease off some dry spots. Much of the northeastern corners of the province, the piece of clearing is on the way, but just to the north of it for Fort Nelson, the risk of freezing rain will be overnight and and for tomorrow morning. Central interior showers, cloud cover for the morning, breaks towards the afternoon. Southern half of the province will also be tracking wet weather for tomorrow morning breaks and much drier conditions late in the day. Whistler with the high of 8 degrees and rainfall heavy at times for Sunday morning right along the south coast. Breaks will be for the afternoon especially across the island. Very windy conditions though for Metro Vancouver. Tomorrow afternoon we could see up to 30 kilometers per hour. Monday dry through the day. A chance of showers and then Colleen some bright spots. Tuesday onwards the return for some sunshine. Cooler temperatures though for overnight lows. Back to you. All right we'll just get through this next phase. Thanks for that. Britain's Prince Andrew is defending his reputation months after being linked to accused sex trafficker Jeffrey Epstein. In the BBC interview, the Queen's second eldest son spoke about his friendship with Epstein and accusations he had sex with a minor. This is the most damning photograph of Prince Andrew. Next to him is Virginia Roberts, just 17 at the time and underage. She says the prince had sex with her three times at Jeffrey Epstein's properties. He knows exactly what he's done, and um, I hope he comes clean about it. But Buckingham Palace denies the allegations. Now Prince Andrew is on royal damage control, speaking for the first time about the allegations with the BBC's Emily Maitlis. I have no recollection of ever meeting this lady. None whatsoever. Were you surprised that he didn't give a clear denial? Actually, the prince confronted every single question that we asked. Now, I think viewers will decide for themselves from what they hear, from what they see, what they choose to believe of his account and where they still have further questions of their own. The prince's friendship with Epstein dates back to the late 90s. Here they are in Central Park in 2010. Around the same time, a man appearing to be Andrew waves goodbye to a young woman from Epstein's Manhattan mansion. 
But you were staying at the house of yes. a convicted sex offender. It was a convenient place to stay. There was, I, mean, I mean, I've gone through this in my mind so many times. At the end of the day, um, uh, uh, with the benefit of all the hindsight that one could have, um, it was definitely the wrong thing to do. I think a lot of people will be baffled by some of his responses. He stayed at a convicted pedophile's house because it was a convenient place to stay. It was a, a, an odd choice of word, wasn't it? That interview is certainly not word perfect. It is quite uncomfortable in places. Uh, it is raw. It is visceral. I think he is speaking in the way that he's accustomed to, and that is not an engagement with a BBC interviewer. And I suppose. Okay, I doubt that taxi drivers here would get away with this. Have a look. An unusual taxi service in Ukraine. Check it out. T the Cat accompanies his cab driving owner on a regular basis, fearlessly jumping onto the hood of the car during slower rides. And the taxi driver says he has over 20 journey requests every day and his clients are largely delighted with the furry surprise passenger. For those who are allergic to cats, well, the driver says he provides antihistamine pills. Now that's one lucky cat. Okay, okay, we have nothing but technical issues tonight. You know what? What is it they say? Um, Mercury is retrograde. Boy, <laughs> is it ever. I'm going to bump my chair down so Sorry. we don't have any weird, other weird issues. Uh, that was a reporter from uh, Calgary, I believe. So hi to him. Taking my job. <laughs> I'm okay mm. with that. Okay. Um, anyways, we're, we're going we're gonna to iron out the kinks. We're going to iron out all the kinks. <laughs> There's a few gremlins. They tend to be in the computer system every so often. As and it's just as it a all, joy. As long as it all works for the sports, I think everyone will be happy. Right? Yep. Lots going on. If uh, Canucks are on the ice tonight against Colorado and... Uh, they're going retro. They're wearing their old uh, jerseys oh. from the 90s with the skate, the ones they wore in the uh, 94 Cup run. Favorite, so, like Yeah, that seems to be a favorite of a lot of people. We'll see if uh, they can duplicate the magic of 94, at least for one night. So we'll talk a bit about that. Lots of uh, high school football highlights and NHL coming up as well. Great. Looking forward to it. <laughs> oh, Banachek. <laughs> That's maybe like 1% of our viewers remember that. Yeah, that'll be your new nickname. Thank TV, you. TV show, from, I think from the 70s, I was think it? So. Banachek. Yeah. Soft crimes. Soft crimes. <laughs> All right, thanks, Colin. The uh, Canucks will be going with the uh, retro look tonight, kind of like me at Rogers Arena to play host to Colorado. Part of their uh, 50th year celebration is to honor the past, and they'll be wearing the uh, black and gold skate jerseys they wore in the 94 run. No Jay Beagle again today, so same lineup as the other night against Dallas, with the exception of the starting goalie. That will be Thatcher Demko. NHL's most dynamic duo, Leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid, 1-2 in NHL scoring. Combined for 11 points the other night versus Colorado. Today versus Dallas. It's uh, McDavid driving the net. Stopped, but who else? Dreisaitl converts the rebound to 16th. 2-1 Edmonton. Second period, McDavid in full throttle. Drives the net. Drops for Jujar Kara, who zips it past Ben Bishop. Second of the game for Kara. Third of the season. 3-2 Oilers. Then on the power play. Dreisaitl, McDavid to Ethan Bear. Third assist for McDavid. 4-2 Oilers after two. They look like they uh, had this one in the bag, but Dallas has been very good of late. They made it 4-3, then under two to play. Their great young D-man Miro Heiskanen with the rush. Drops for Tyler Sagan, who rips home the tying goal. Ties it 4-4, and then in overtime, Sagan will feed Jamie Benn. 
Great poise to wait and then shovel home the backhand. Stars rally for the 5-4 win. They're 10-1-1 in their last 12. They have vaulted into the top eight in the West after a very slow start. Flames and Coyotes, Arizona playing very well right now. Began the day a point up on the Canucks for second in the Pacific. Second period already 1-0. Carl Soderberg makes it 2-0. Slick move there to beat David Riddick. Flames had their chances but couldn't beat Darcy Kemper. 35 saves on the day, including this one on Elias Lindholm. Coyotes win again 3-0. Jets and Lightning from Tampa. Jets 5-1-1 in their last seven, but the Lightning also on a roll. Three straight wins, including a 9-3 shelling of the Rangers the other night. Jets get the early jump. Josh Morrissey point shot, nicely redirected by Matthew Perot. Second period now tied at one. Jets regain the lead. Jack Roslovic converts from the doorstep. 2-1 Jets. And then just 21 seconds after that on the power play, Nick Ehlers out of the corner, fires a rocket under the bar past Andre Vasilevsky. 3-1 Jets, but Tampa not done. We've seen this once or twice. Steven Stamkos loading up the one-timer from the off wing, made it 3-2. But the Jets will score into the empty net. Kyle Connor 4-3. Tampa did add a late one, but the Jets get another victory. Kings and Golden Knights, NHL game number 1,000 for LA's Jeff Carter. 3-2 Kings in the second until William Carlson gets the uh, benefit of the lucky bounce. Takes the uh, drop pass there from Pacioretty, ties it at three. Third period, Matt Roy point shot, tipped in front by Jeff Carter. A grand way to celebrate your 1,000th game. Kings win 4 to three. Devils and Habs from Montreal. Canadians rolling. 7-1-1 one one in their last nine. Shea Weber a big part of that. Six-game point streak. Late first, Thomas Tatar shot. Deflected perfectly by the former giant, Brendan Gallagher. His ninth, one nothing Habs. Second period tied at one. Special moment for Canadians rookie Kale Fleury. First career NHL goal for the former Kootenai Ice standout. Getting it on Saturday night at the Bell Centre on Hockey Night in Canada. Not bad. 3-2 Habs right now in the third. Leafs and Penguins. Pittsburgh hurting right now, literally. Crosby, Latang, Hornquist all out with injuries. They'll lean heavily on Evgeny Malkin, and he delivers one goal, one assist in the first, including this goal here to make it 2-0 Penguins. Second period, Pittsburgh continues uh, the onslaught. The Leafs really struggling right now. Dominic Cahoon makes it 3-0. And now 4-0, the former Canuck Jared McCann has got a great wrist shot, shows it off here, beats the rookie goalie Casimir Keskisio, the 26-year-old from Finland. Mike Babcock's job in trouble a bit in Toronto. 6-1 Pittsburgh right now in the third. And Raptors finishing up their five-game road trip tonight in Dallas, 3-1 so far. Defense has been incredibly good on the trip. Siakam and Van Vliet combining for 66 the other night in Portland. Van Vliet seeing the court so well. Quick transition to Norm Powell, who knocks down the three. Second quarter, some of that Raptor defense. Siakam with the great read, picks it off to Powell for another three-pointer. Raptors leading by three. And then Van Vliet, great feed to Siakam for the finish. And right now the Raptors have the lead late in the second at Dallas. 
Welcome back. Langley Rams made specific moves this year so they'd be able, able to compete better with the uh, Saskatoon Hilltops, who have dominated Canadian junior football. Hilltops have won six straight titles, including last year's national championship game in a blowout win against Langley. The Rams and Hilltops met yet again for the national championship today in Langley. Rams were hoping for some rain, so their uh, prairie counterparts might have some problems. But Saskatoon did get this big play. Tyler Herman to Rylan Kleiter, a 35-yard gain, led to a field goal, 8-0 Hilltops at the half. Rams come back in the third. Colby Peters to Jesse Walker. Nice drive here, finished off by Max Joseph, who takes the pitch and runs it in for the touchdown. They missed the two-pointer, but they were down just 8-6. Final minute of the fourth, third down in Saskatoon territory. They need a first down, but Jared Taylor cannot pull it down. A valiant effort by the Rams, but they fall short. 11-6 the final in the Canadian Bowl as the Hilltops win their seventh straight National Junior Championship. BC High School football quarterfinal day at BC Place. Triple-A matchups between Surrey's Lord Tweedsmer and New Westminster. This was all about the special teams for Lord Tweedsmer. Opening kickoff of the second half, Hayden Stomperud fields it deep, takes it all the way for the touchdown, and the Panthers had the lead 13-7. Then later in the game, Hayek's kicking off after conceding a safety, and the Panthers do it to them again. This time, it's Trammell States-Jones, and he will break a tackle there and go all the way for the touchdown. Those two big plays, certainly the difference for Lord Tweedsmer as they're moving on to the semifinals as they route New West 36-7. Next up, Kelowna and Van College. Van College in purple, already up 7-0. Quarterback Alex Nyvelt with a perfect throw to Jason Soriano. Makes a great catch for the touchdown, 14-0 Irish. Then in the second quarter, they cap another drive. This time, Deshaun Johnson punches it in, and Van College going on to the semifinals after handling Kelowna 35-7. St. Thomas Moore out of Burnaby taking on Victoria's Mount Douglas Rams in the next quarter. Rams in white with a big play here going deep. Hunter Swift at quarterback, airing it out for Joe Lucas in stride. Takes it in for the touchdown. But St. Thomas Moore will respond. Nick Osho will take the handoff and find his way into the end zone for the touchdown. This is a tight one right now in the third quarter, 21-14 Mount Douglas. And we'll finish off with golf. Would you like to be in Playa del Carmen, Mexico for the second round of the Mayacoba? A day behind because of heavy rain on Thursday. Beautiful conditions today on 18. Harris English chips in for birdie. He's the leader at 13 under. Bon Taylor is one back after making this long birdie. Abbotsford's Nick Taylor at minus five is tied 23rd. Merritt's Roger Sloan missed the cut. But hey, he's in Playa del Carmen. He can go to the beach. No kidding. So he missed the cut. Whatever. Oh, well. Darn. <laughs> Him. A 100-year-old birthday is reason to celebrate, but imagine celebrating four of them at the same time. That's what a Penticton senior home did today as it helped four of its residents mark the milestone occasion. Travel and sorrow, but we'll travel the road. 
Uh, the birthday party included live music, tea, and a large cake. The centenarian celebrated celebration included three women and one man, each of them receiving congratulatory certificates from the city of Penticton. In addition to residents and staff at the village by the station seniors' home, helping celebrate the momentous occasion were family members of the birthday guy and gal. It was really good of them to come. It, they came from so far. The Queen Charlotte Islands, Haida Gwaii, and from uh, the Yukon. It's very important. It's great for us to be able to celebrate with our residents. Uh, we've been open for over 15 years now, and in that time we've never had four people turn 100 in one month, so this is the first time having a celebration this large. Isn't that fabulous? And we, of course, wish each and every one of them a very, very happy birthday. Remember when you used to be able to get the, you'd get a certificate from the Queen when you turned 100? Wow. I don't know if that still happens. No. 100's the new 90, I guess. 100 is, she'd be yeah. giving out a lot of certificates. Yeah, it seems so common these days, but still a big deal. It's a big deal. Yes. Still a big deal. One uh, century. We gotta, thanks for reminding us to stay out of the rain. Yes, heavy rain. Um, it'll ease off. We've got some bright spots into next week. Have a great night. Take care.